The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. How's it going? Welcome back to the Como Sports Enzo. We're back. It's football season. And you know what else that means? That means my guy, Najee Moye, is back as well. What's up, Najee? Najee's back in the house. What's up, you? What's up, you guys? Look, this is a beautiful time of year. The best time of year here in Seattle. First of all, to be in Seattle, there's no bad time to be here, first of all. But it's getting cooler outside. The days are getting a little shorter day by day. However, the Hawks, the Cougs, and the Huskies hitting the gridiron. And September, I mean, it's we're at the pinnacle. Not the pinnacle. Right. It might Coaching. be. It might be, but honestly, things are happening all around the city, Nico. Well, I, I and the state also. That's that's what's really – you hit the nail on the head, my man. Like When you look at Seattle sports, it's just obviously football season kicking off. You've got the Huskies, who are a national title contender in my book. The Cougs, I think, are a heck of a lot better than people are saying. The Seahawks have a lot of hype and hope around them. And it's stuff that you and I were saying since last year. It just took the rest of the country to, oh, they made the playoffs. Now they're going to be good. Now we like we knew this team could be good. And obviously, you've got the Sounders in a playoff push. Oh, rain. And obviously, the Mariners. Um, that's gonna, they, like Every game they play it just has such a monumental impact when you've got three teams within basically a game, give or take. A first place. All in the same division, too. And these are, like, right... I mean, this is... When we talk about the Mariners, we talk about the Astros, we're talking about the Rangers also, who spent a ton of money in the offseason yeah. to get their offense better. And we thought it was going to be a two-horse race between the Mariners and the Astros, but the, Mar- but the, the Rangers, I should say, are making this a lot more complicated than it needs to be, <laughs> I should say. But, I mean, it, it's this is a good problem to have. You know, I was talking to one of my coworkers, uh, another producer named Dan Grohl, and he's like, we made the playoffs for the first time in 22 years last year. Yeah. I'm now filled with anxiety from September to, <laughs> from to into the future because of it. So, but it's a good problem to have, like I said. Well, I, I think that it's a great problem to have is a good way to say it. Like, yeah. like which one? Like, which is your biggest rooting interest? I don't think you have to pick a favorite here. Like, you can be so pumped that football season's back and, and all the excitement around all the teams around here. And then you've got the Mariners, uh, you know, looking for that first divisional title since 2001. I mean, this is just something that. I think you just sit back and you say, this is why sports in Seattle are so freaking cool. And I think that overall, um, boy, oh boy, you can turn on a football game. You can flip back over to the baseball. Hopefully, maybe you have one of those like multi-screen setups in your house, yeah. right? We all need a quad in their house. We all need a quad <laughs> in their house, definitely. Yeah. No, it, it, this is – and I'm honestly, I mean, talking about the Mariners, that we – I mean, I've seen a lot of talking – you know, Shohei Otani, he is – you know, he is who he is. But I've seen a lot of talk about Julio – this year and and MVP conversations maybe could you know be. could be Castillo I know Garrett Cole's having a great season in New York but they're not making the playoffs George you know? Kirby too Kirby too the whole I mean honestly and we said this from the beginning you that starting lineup that starting rotation I should say for the Mariners are carrying the team not carrying the team but I mean they're a big reason why they are where they are right now well that's what Scott Service has said I mean I think I can think of at least a half dozen times that I've been in the dugout in that pregame availability and Scott Service is saying. You know, our, our pitching has carried us all season. And and he's right. If you look when they were struggling early in the year, there were so many outings that you would just feel terrible for Luis Castillo or George Kirby. They would pitch the lights out, and yet the Mariners would lose like 2-1 or one nothing. Yeah. And, and But then the bats woke up after the All-Star break. And right. This team, 
get this, has not lost a game by more than three runs since early July. That's that's two months. That's a long time. And they haven't. Um, they the last series they lost before the Mets one was the middle of August against the Orioles. But the point being is, um, they haven't lost back to back games. I think they've only done it twice all summer. Right. And that's just insane when you think about it. So, it, it's just this perfect thing where. The Mariners are kind of trending up. The Rangers are kind of trending down. But the beautiful part about it, and this is what's really going to make the final couple weeks of the regular season so special, and I suspect we'll talk about it on that week's episode of the Como Sports End Zone, is the notion that the Mariners play their last 10 games of the season against the Rangers and the Astros. Seven of those are against the Rangers. I mean, we're talking, these are, this is a series, those series can really just change, good or bad. Unfortunately, but yeah. I mean, it can change the landscape of just whether you make the playoffs at all, really, mm-hmm. or whether you have you're hanging another pennant or you're just squeaking in for the playoffs. But also, I mean, I believe two teams from this division will make the playoffs. Right. You know, maybe three, maybe and maybe three. I mean, you're going to see all these teams again. But I mean, I, that being said, I think this year the Mariners have done enough in the offseason to make them match up with Houston much better. We saw what happened oh, sure. last year, you know. I mean, but, and there's a lot more home runs being hit now than there were last year, believe me. Yeah, I have two thoughts out of that. The first one is, I, again, you, what you say about matching up better with Houston, I think we've seen it in the regular season. It's another deceit in the playoffs. Yeah. As gut-wrenching as it was to be swept by the Astros. And, and when you say swept, it makes it feel like you were just run off the field. That's not the case. All no. three of those games were super close. No. And, you know... Basically, one was a walk-off and one was a top-of-the-18th-inning home run in a one nothing game. I mean, they were pretty darn close last year. Yeah, it took an extra, essentially an extra game to, to, <laughs> game four, to right? get a uh, game four to get rid of the Mariners last year. So it just shows how much these guys want to be here. You know? Right, yeah, and I think that that experience yeah. showed this pretty young team how to move forward. They are a young team, aren't they're they? Extreme. They're very you know, young. I, I look at a Julio Rodriguez, and he's the obvious guy to talk about being the superstar, the face of baseball in Seattle, quite frankly. And you've seen him take leaps and bounds, certainly not just with his play. He's the first player ever in Mariners history to have 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases in each of his first two seasons. Unreal. But it's just this leadership factor. Like We've seen some anger out of Julio. We saw it the other day in the loss to Cincinnati at the end. Like I'm not saying you want your guy to be angry all the time, but he's he's showing this leadership quality stuff. I mean that that fight with the Astros a few weeks ago. Yeah, he went right in there and he took Framber Valdez and basically bear hugged him out of the scrum with Jose Caballero. And I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 22 years old. Yes, yeah, I mean he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's yeah. also not afraid to hit a ton of home runs and a ton of hits. <laughs> Dude is on fire. He's been on fire for a long time, and it's not just him. To Oscar, is, I mean, every I feel like every time I look up, I mean, Oscar hit a home run, and also again in this series against the Reds, he's been on fire as well. You know, Suarez also. Kyle Raleigh. I mean, this is a great. There was questions about the lineup, and I don't. No one's asking any more questions right now. And it's only going to get stronger when Tom Murphy and Jared Kelnick come back. When and Kelnick's right there knocking on the door. Right. Uh, he's been playing down in Tacoma. I was able to check him out the other day. He's moving pretty well, even recovering from a broken foot. Yeah. I think that overall, when you look at this team, it's almost it's so similar to what we saw, or, or maybe are going to see. From the Seahawks. Here's this team last year that, yes, they were in different eras. We're kind of the Mariners, you know, they almost made it in 21. So there was kind of a thought that in 2022 they would contend for the playoff spot. Like, that was like the hope from opening day. Whether 
folks believed it or not, and I think a lot of people in Seattle did, that that was kind of the worst. The Seahawks, I mean, their playoff bid in 2022 was a surprise to most. Uh, to, to most because a lot of people were kind of at the time wondering who was going to be the starter at the, around this time yeah. last year, you know. You know, we had Drew Locke and Geno Smith had not really gotten a chance, just a really real chance to actually, like, play and be the starter and be a leader of the team. Yeah. You know? And we saw what happened last year, led us all the way to the playoffs, you know. Yeah. And I – it's, it's, it's a lot can be said about another year in the same system, another year of growth on the same guys, another year of your position you had them, you know, they had that stability is, is what the Hawks have this year. Not just stability, but they've added some nice pieces, particularly in the draft. And that's what I'm getting at here. This yeah. connection with the Seahawks and the Mariners yeah. is that you have these teams on equal trajectory. The story isn't the same. The Mariners didn't trade their version of Russell Wilson. I mean, Kyle Seeger retiring is one thing, but it wasn't like he had a Russell Wilson impact. Exactly. Right? You yeah. know, but like, um, yeah, and, and you have these teams. So it's like, okay, Mariners made the playoffs. What do you expect in year two? The next logical step is to win the AL West, which they are certainly um, about to do, hopefully, or, may, or they're at least making it pretty darn Trending interesting. Trending that way now, yeah, right. definitely, yeah. The Seahawks, it's like, okay, what's that next step? And I think a lot of people, to them, they're the trendy pick to win the NFC West. And I, I just think it's a really special time. And I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But yeah. I just want to say that it's a, it's such a cool and special time in Seattle sports that you have these two, you know, you know tentpole franchises in our city. They've had varying levels of success before the past couple of years. Yeah. You know? And mean, they're right there now. Yeah, they're exactly right there. And the, and the rest of the country is paying attention to the Pacific Northwest, which is as they should have been this whole entire time, by the way. We, the, these teams are like – they're not teams that will go out and buy a bunch of players, you know, like the Mariners. You know, the Mariners are one of the teams that will not go out and buy a bunch of players, and the Hawks also. But these are homegrown guys. These yeah. I mean, this whole, I mean, the, the Hawks did everything through the draft. You know, the great pitching staff from the Mariners have come straight from the farm system. You know, trades, yes, with, with Castillo and everything like that, but smart trades. We're not, like, throwing buckets and buckets of money at people. But these are, these are homegrown guys overall. Yeah. I think that when you, and, and that's I think that makes fans more invested. Yeah, right. We, we knew about Julio when he was on the way up. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just like, okay, finally he's here, and he's definitely producing. You know, so. you remember? Doesn't it feel like ten years ago that spring training of twenty two when fans were like, please put Julio on the opening day roster as if it was some kind of debate? It was like, yeah, exactly. And you see what happens now. I mean, he's he's next level now. Yeah, I think you know. First, there's there's some similarities there. I think you look at a guy like Julio. And how he's just really embraced this city. He's on his the commercials now. He's, yeah. He's, the shirts, he, the section, you yeah. know, all of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, before the games, he's always signing autographs for folks watching BP. You know, you look at Geno Smith and different uh, – he's older, right? He's in his 30s. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, like 2022 was both of their first years being the guy in Seattle. Yep. And – He's the one signing pregame autographs for all the fans. He's the one that is showing the way by example. Um, first guy at VMAC right. uh, in competition with Bobby Wagner. and Honestly, maybe in competition with Pete Carroll throwing the ball around. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen this Hawk social media, he's moving great these days. Yeah, I was, I was saying Pete Carroll moving like that at 71. I hope I can move like that at 41. Uh, can I move that way at 32, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, I think that overall, really cool time. And I think we have to nail that with the Mariners. Every day is going to change things up. Every single day is going to change the per, the you know complexion of that of that you know playoff battle. And so every single game that's done, you're looking at every score. You're looking at 
the Rangers, the Astros, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays. I think if the Blue Jays were out of the equation, there'd be less stress because right. it's like, well, if you don't win the AOS, you're getting the wild card spot. Like you're in. But the Blue Jays are only, you know, percentage points behind that last wild card spot, which is currently held by, you know, the Astros and Rangers and Mariners in some form and fashion when the the, the winds ebbs and flow. I think that adds that little extra layer of nervousness to it. Right. And it's gonna be a fun few weeks. You were talking earlier in this very in in, in this podcast about the last week of the season, you know, you got the Astros series, you got the Rangers series, and it brought me back to the year before the um, the Mariners made that first playoff before last year when they had that last uh, series against the Angels, and they were trying really hard, and and it, it didn't, the, but that stadium was just so electric, yeah. just just to get it, and it didn't quite happen, but this year, and and the best thing is that's that team and this team and this team especially this year. Is I mean this is the Mariners. These are the this is the core, you know, what we've got going forward. Because like you said, these guys are just so young, so, so young, so much potential, and every step they take forward, it's like okay, this is kind of just the beginning. Yeah, and uh, it, yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> Listen, this year is entertaining enough, like we talked about, but it, this is I think this is something we need to get used to for a long way uh, down the road here. So buy your jerseys now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which one, which one are you buying? Like. Oh, that's a good one. I uh, I'm I'm going with style, not player here. Okay, going with style. I like the I like the straight up white home one. It's yeah, a very clean jersey. It is. I mean, it's a very very clean jersey, and also the Sunday throwbacks are great too. Yes, I yes. have my little guy who is a couple months shy of two years old. He has a Northwest Green and yeah. a City Connect one. The City the City Connect is great. Yeah, and he got a City Connect hoodie too. That's cool. That's it a good. Cool. That's a good blue. I love that it says my oh my on it. Yeah, it's my favorite. Little that is really cool. It. Yeah, um, we've been kind of dancing around it a little bit here. Let's talk about the Seahawks though. Sure. Um, because we, the Mariners, you know, it is what it is. Like it's going to be a crazy race. They got to fight. They got to <laughs> fight, and every single game really does matter. Uh, but you know, the Seahawks, it's one of those. It's such a unique thing. Yeah, every game matters as well because you're playing 17 in the regular season, not 162. Sure. Um, so even this first one carries almost a similar weight. Um, as we saw last year, you know, you, you barely got in. You had to win the last game and get the Lions to beat the Packers. And that's not a knock, oh, you barely got in. That's just to say, like, even down to the last thing, it came down to, like, getting some help and getting an overtime win, yeah. things of that nature. And, and like I said with the Mariners a moment ago, this team knows the road now. Yeah, there are – Guys who have seen it all. Bobby Wagner, last playing connection to that Super Bowl uh, run team, basically. How great is it for him to be back, man? Oh, it's a vibe, Oh, man. my gosh. This is it's a complete vibe. Coming back against the team that he took a vacation with last year, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. And it's just, it, you know, there's just a different feeling at VMAC. Yeah. The best thing, you know, Bobby went because he, and he, and he had to do it and all that stuff. He was let go. I mean, he didn't have a choice, really. And and he and he showed that he probably shouldn't have been let go with one of his best seasons yet in L.A. Yeah. But what that allowed the Seahawks to do is to get some new leaders in the room. Mm-hmm. Quandre Diggs comes to mind specifically. I mean, this is a guy, vocal leader, leader by example. I mean, for us, even in the media, just like in those press conferences, he's just got this presence about him. Yeah. Like when he talks, you listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even his coworker, teammate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm sitting there like at attention, like I was in school or something. A little, a little afraid. A little bit. A yeah, little I, afraid, I, I yeah. wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't mess with any of those guys. Of course. But, like Quandre, like he's he's a dude, and so um, he became a leader of this team. And now you get the, a natural leader back in Bobby, and now it's just you're. I think you're only gonna be better for it. They're they're close enough. That they can obviously obviously coexist in that role. But what I'm trying to say is that Wagner being gone for that year allowed some guys to grow. 
Right. And now he's back, and the team's going to be only better for it. The defense is, I mean, stacked. The defense played well enough to make the playoffs last year. I mean, and you can and you combine with you know Uchenna, you got you got Kobe Bryant in the secondary. You got and Jamal Adams, who is hurt right now. Yeah. We'll come back eventually. You know, that's another strong veteran presence with that defense. And we know how well, how much Pete loves a, good, a great defense, obviously. So I think it'll be a great year. And I think, you know, we, we start the season on Sunday with the Rams. The season, the, the division is not as difficult as it may have been in the past, I would say, because the Cardinals are just kind of there. And the Rams are, you know, they, they don't exactly have much this year. Better than last year, but not exactly Super Bowl caliber. Sure. And I think... Again, like always, it's the Niners. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So we'll see. We'll see. But it, I'm just excited to get started. Honestly, right? You know, I, I'll, I I thought of something when you were saying that. In on opening day with the Mariners, I went to their general manager Justin Hollander. And I'm like, I need your permission, like a doctor's note, to say something. I think you have a World Series caliber rotation. Would you agree? He's like, oh, 100. percent. Yeah. I'm gonna translate that to the Seahawks. I think especially after the draft and the drafting of Devin Witherspoon, mm-hmm. assuming he can get healthy, which he's cleared it but you know it's a different animal to be cleared and Play. quandre Diggs wasn't at, at peak quandre Diggs coming off that injury at the end of the 21 season until probably the latter portion of 22 right now he's <laughs> now he's be fun to watch him this now year. he's back but i would say the seahawks have the the potential anyway to have the best secondary in the nfl it's not crazy to say that. reek woolen is just a star right um and he's and pete carroll he can't help but smile he's always saying he, like he's got so much more to learn, and he's already that good. Right. Um. And then you've got Devin maybe on the other side, but let's not forget the guys like Trey Brown, Mike Jackson, that have really can be good players anyway. That are there as whether it's depth or whether it's in case you know to start the season. There is. It sounds like Witherspoon will be more in a nickel role, and I think that you know you talk about the safeties like you just were. If, when Jamal Adams gets healthy, when he's like healthy, healthy. I mean, there's a reason they traded so much for him. Whether or not you agree with the trade, like he's he's a talent, and when he's healthy, he can be one of the best out there. And of course, Quandre, enough said. Exactly. Um, Kobe Bryant, like you said. There's and Julian Love coming over from the Giants. Yeah, and he's and he's a great and he's a great defender and he's a great tackler. That's exactly making tackles. Obviously, is the name of the game. It, it, I mean, when you have a one-on-one tackle, it's very important to have a guy who you can trust out there. And as a, if you're a longtime listener, you know that I am a Giants fan. Okay. <laughs> And we miss Julian Love because he can make great open field sure. tackles, dependable, especially in the secondary. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things they can do. And 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 what's great about a signing like Julian Love and what's great about all these guys in the secondary is they're kind of interchangeable. Right. There's a lot of different places they can play. I mean, like I just said, Devin Witherspoon probably starts the year at the nickel. He's a cornerback by trade. Yeah. Eventually, he's going to start opposite Woolen at some point. Right. But right now, it's probably best to put him – at the nickel spot, and and you know you think about guys like Jamal Adams and Julian Love, they play a little bit differently, and you're getting something different. And you can play, assuming it's um, hypothetical, like both guys being healthy, right? You can play them in in different situations, yeah. And you can get different results, and you can get different looks, and confuse the other offense, all that good stuff. And so that secondary is really, really something, and. When the Seahawks were winning four games in a row last October, it was when the defense was playing better. When they were losing some games late, that kind of made things a little bit in jeopardy, giving up all those yards to Josh Jacobs, including 86 yards, no T, right? I think about that every day. <laughs> it was when the defense was a little suspect. So I like that You know, two of those first four picks uh, in the draft were on defense. And right. I like the, some of the, I love the signings, I should say like. 
Um, you know, you're talking about guys like Julian Love and, and um, Bush and 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 going forward with Reed. I mean, I, I mean, got Jordan Brooks coming back at some point. Jordan Brooks is is, is healthy. It's healthy. I mean, whether or not he goes week one, Pete Carroll didn't want to commit to that just yet. But I think that. You know, um, you're, you've got a lot of guys that can do a lot of things out there. Yeah, because you were talking about the secondary. We know how good the secondary can be and how good they need to be and how good they will be. But and historically, the best Seahawks teams, anyone in Seattle, I can tell you, knows that the best Seahawks teams have amazing secondaries, you know. But even moving into the next level, I'm looking at the depth chart just casually, sure, as one sure. does. Boye Mafe. <laughs> we didn't even mention him, you know. <laughs> Jordan Brooks, when he comes back. Bobby Wagner. And also, you're trying to know Osu. I mean... This is not a unit to sneeze at. Absolutely. Don't sneeze. You'll lose the ball and get tackled for a loss, honestly. <laughs> you know. So I, I think this is a good chance. I mean, this is probably one of the best defenses, definitely in, I mean, following the Niners, obviously, because the Niners are just next level. But I think the Hawks will give them a great run for their money. And I'm looking at, I don't want to get too far ahead, Nico. You're okay. I don't want to get, get too far ahead. ahead. I don't want to get far ahead. I, I I get far ahead, but even, you know it helps even starting on starting this season with a division matchup. I mean, sure. say what you want about the Rams right now. I just did. Sorry if you're a Rams fan. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but starting with a good division line, uh, line matchup at home could be a great you know tone setter for the next couple of games because you got the Lions who made who the Hawks. Who helped the Hawks make the playoffs? They were right there, yeah, right there, and they were a great team also last year. And then you got the Panthers with a young Bryce Young, and they're still figuring things out. And you got a Giants who could be a Super Bowl team this year too. So, I mean, we're going to learn a lot from the Hawks before that bye week, definitely. Definitely. One thing that stands out to me about this culture shift the mm-hmm. last couple of years. Listen, we, we, you know, everybody's kind of beating the dead horse thing here. Like Russell, the trade, start of a new era, right? Um. Generally speaking, teams take a a longer time to come back from trading a franchise quarterback. Um, I'm not saying, like, listen, it's obvious the Seahawks won that trade. Even if Russell comes back and has a really nice year for Denver, just the amount of draft picks and guys they got back that are starters on this team. Like, you basically overhauled your whole team for one guy Mm -hmm. and made the playoffs right away. Like, you won the trade. I don't care if Russell throws, like, 30 touchdowns and five picks this year. Like, has a really nice year. Like His I mean, numbers were reversed last year. <laughs> they were quite reversed last year. Yeah, I think that it usually takes longer. Right. And John Schneider kind of spoke to that earlier this week. He did kind of an impromptu press conference. I wouldn't say impromptu, but it wasn't um, part of the regular weekly schedule. You called an schedule. audible. You called an audible. Well oh, done, Naj. There you go. He, uh, he said, you know, and this is something that 12s were really lamenting for a while, is the draft strategy of the Seahawks. They would have, like – you know, a later first-round pick because they were doing so well. And they would kind of use that, not so much taking the best of Alba rear, but more so looking at it from like, okay, well, whose contract's coming up? Who's, what can happen here? And they kind of got away from the draft strategy. That's what he said. You know, his word was we got in a bit of a rut. Yeah. But they kind of got away from the draft strategy that built the Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. When John and Pete got there in 2010, started picking all these guys. I mean, 2012, you know, you get Bobby and Russell. Not even in the first round, like second and third. Sure. You know, and so they got away from that in a little while, and you saw that kind of like show its face towards the end of the Russell era. And listen, I'm not saying they suddenly stunk at drafts. Like they drafted DK Metcalf. They drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round, and, and, you know, he was, he got injured at the end of last year, but 2021, he was right there, and he was a fantastic player. He was leading tackler. Still is. Yeah. So it's, um, they got in that little bit of a rut, as Schneider called it. But you look at 2022, jury is obviously out on the 2023 draft. Though, if you look at it, it looks like 
the 2022 draft. It looks like the way that Pete and John really built this thing. And I think that's that's huge. That sets the foundation for this new era. And you're right, and that's what made me think about it. These first few games, we learned a lot about this team. We knew right off the bat, you know, K-9 was going to be a great running back, and Tariq Wollin was going to be Oh, my God, yeah. You know, yeah, like all these guys. I mean, by week two, Abe Lucas and Charles Cross were bookending the offensive line, your first and third round picks in you know, 2022. So you're going to learn a lot in those first four games. How much can this year's rookie class help this team out? And we talk about, and I was speaking about, how another year in a system, any particular system, can help a player going forward. Gino, again, leading a team again for another year. All those defenders, all those guys that got drafted last year, even Kanan, who who you know had a little time on the injured list last year, coming back again and getting some more help for Zach Carver. Uh, sorry. Charbonnet yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> last year from UCLA. I mean, we obviously know they want to run the ball, and we and we know that Pete is the, the Hawks are best when they are running the ball, and Pete wants to run the ball, obviously. But I do. I mean, I just I, I feel not a better year than last year. I agree, and I don't really know how much better, but a better year than last year. I would say that. Uh... Def- I, definitely a better year than last year. I mean, how far deep in the playoffs did we go? Yes, I'm saying playoff. <laughs> I mean, yes, I am saying this again. Yes, but I mean, I just uh, you can say what you want about stability, but it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I would say last year I was saying somewhere between seven and nine wins. I would say somewhere between nine and eleven this year. I agree. You know, yeah. it might still be a nine and eight year. I'm a, if you made me like bet the house on it, which I wouldn't do, I'd say like 10 and seven, 11 and six, right? Maybe, you know, 12 and five is not out of the realm of possibility for this team. I just think that I don't want to get too excited. Right. I would rather hedge my bet. And I think 11 and six wins you that division. This Winning year. the division with 11 to six. I think so. Even with the Niners, even with the Niners, I think that they're looking pretty good. They, they do look good. <laughs> they do. Um, I might be eating this in three months, but well, I mean, maybe you're not because I mean, you're talking about Brock Purdy, and he's actually, you know, he's the guy. You know, we talk about how the Mariners were now set up to play specifically the Astros. Right. The Mariners, uh, the the Hawks are set up specifically to beat the Niners. Yeah. Because that's that's they played them twice a year. That's a great all. parallel. It's I mean, and but the difference is this year because the the, the Niners had such a quarterback kind of like issues last year now Brock Purdy's the guy and now I mean can he handle that can he handle just teams booting down and like expecting him to be good you know it's it's a lot so I mean I can see you know the Mariners I'm sorry the Hawks making definitely their life difficult in the future yeah I think that's gonna be it almost reminds you of those early Legion of Boom days when you know Richard Sherman's batting the ball away, calling Michael Crabtree a salary receiver. Yeah. All that. It kind of reminds you, it, like, it's budding to that point. And if you'll recall, in that era, it was the Niners that rose first. It was the rise of Colin Kaepernick and taking him to the Super Bowl. Mm. He lost to the Ravens. Right. And then it was that following year that the Seahawks beat the Niners, got to the Super Bowl, beat the Broncos, went to back-to-back. We're not going to talk about the second one. But it was kind of like it went Niners and Seahawks, and th- th- there's no such thing as like how that translates to right now. But it just reminds me of it. We like duality here, right? <laughs> the, the, what's the line from the office? The duality of man, or what are these duality things? of man, or whatever it something. is. We, somebody will respond with the with the actual yeah. quote. Yeah, I'll, but, I'll get an email. Or yeah, we'll get an email. Tweet or something. Yeah, we'll look at it. Or an X, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, well, an X tweet. Yeah, we don't want we don't want an X tweet. Whatever they're called these whatever days. Whatever they're called these days. Whatever. Yeah. Um, you know what else I want to talk about? Yeah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Speaking of football, how absurd this is. It's the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it. RIP, man. Like, you know things are messed up. <laughs> when Stanford and Cal, they literally sit on the Pacific Ocean, are about to join the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's it's pretty wild, and it and like it makes sense. Like it's a good move for for both sides, given the current situation. It's crazy that we're saying that Stanford and Cal and the or Stanford and the ACC and the ACC is a good move. Yeah, because it is. But then we think about teams that oftentimes you know, or not oftentimes, but don't necessarily have a specific home in the future, like Wazoo. Yeah, yeah. and the Cougs, you know, obviously the big game with Wisconsin. I, I hope they win that game. And I obviously always want the Washington teams to win. But I want them to win even more just from the standpoint of it's so sad they're left behind of the major thing. Like, I was hoping the Big 12 or maybe the ACC would include them in something. It doesn't appear that's going to be the case. It appears as, you know, Jake Dickert put it to the put it to me this way a few weeks ago. He said, "You know, we want to be the we're going to be the flagship school of whatever new conference we're in, and that's very true. Like, you know, if it's some kind of glorified Mountain West, you know, Oregon State and Washington State, that's like a big deal for them. Yeah, for those for those other schools that were in whatever you want to call it, the Mountain West slash Pack, whatever. Uh, it's just it's so unfortunate. And I understand the Apple Cup will probably continue. Right. Um, if there's I no the way Coug- it could not. If I were the Cougs, I'd say no. You left." But, well, the, but the money, yeah. so there's money. It, right? it, it, it makes sense, unfortunately, for the for the for the Huskies to leave. Yeah, and, I, and like, listen, when I say no, you left and wouldn't do it. Like, I don't fault the Huskies for leaving one bit. Like, you have to jump at that move, right. given the state of athletics. Or suddenly, you're begging for a Big Twelve invite or something like that. Right. I just feel like, for starters, in this current college football playoff format, the Pac-12 is the easiest road, arguably. To get to the new expanded college football playoff. Well, and like, is and you know, respect to the programs that were higher performing in the Pac 12, like UW, Oregon, and USC. But boy, oh boy, that's a difficult road in the Big Ten. I mean, sure, the Big Ten and SEC might get a combined eight or something of those playoff bids, maybe, yeah, of the 12 when it expands, but. That's that's a really rough and difficult schedule. It remains to be seen, though, how the farewell tour of the Pac-12 goes this season. It, I am overreacting. I'm saying this right now. Go After it. week one, though, the Pac-12 is undefeated. Yeah. Oregon, I mean, Oregon put up 81 points against Portland State. You see the I, poor duck doing all the push-ups? Yes, I know, and he's got a great chest pump for it, and he's happy for it. But honestly, like, we look at Washington State's schedule, and I see a lot of ranked teams that they have to play, Who teams that are ranked right now that they have to play. I mean, Colorado had a great, had a great opening game against TCU. Um, and honestly, but if you look at Washington State against Colorado State in the first year or the first game, copy and paste Shadur Sanders' numbers with Cam Ward's almost, you know? Yeah. They're pretty close. Very so, close. So um, I think going forward, I mean, this uh, this Badgers game could be huge for the Cougs, you know? I think the Cougs can be on a, you know, on a bit of a tour here. Like, a, I mean, definitely like a you'll wish you brought us home type tour, you know? Yeah. Because looking at the schedule, I mean, they definitely – Oregon State, they play Oregon, you know, um, and they play Colorado. And then the Apple Cup this year is going to mean it's going to be it's going to I lack words. I I lack words about this year's Apple Cup. Yeah, because it's going to be next level, too. I mean, it's, it's going to be crazy. 
I agree with that. And I think that, my goodness. Um, and every team in the Pac-12 is good. I mean, Washington is also good. I mean, a lot of teams are just like chomping at USC. A lot of people have USC making the, the Final Four. Yeah, I, well, I, I think the Huskies make the Final Four. Because do you think they beat USC? I do. Yeah, I agree. I do. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, and I've been saying it since the end of last year, I think the Huskies are a national title contender. Yeah. Do they win it? Well, you know, Georgia's got something to say about that. Well, um, Ohio yeah. State looked really good last, uh, and, you know, they look a little sluggish against Indiana, but, like, building off what they did last year. They'll get better. Understanding C.J. Stroud isn't there, I get it. But, like, you know, they're, they're Ohio State. They're always going to be there at the end. Michigan, too. Um Winning the national title is is a foolish thing to predict, but I think they'll be right there in the college football playoff. In fact, I was looking at the new AP rankings. I was looking to see, you know, the Huskies move from ten to eight. There was a lot of people putting them at five, and that's where I would have put them. Yeah, I would have put you know, uh, you know, Georgia State is number one. I would have put teams like Florida State and Washington up in that top five range. You know, yeah. I mean, Washington watched a good Boise State team. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they, you know, that's the thing. Everybody's got Boise State. Well, Boise State's good, and you and you ran them off the field. Yeah. I mean, you ran them off. You're the not field. playing Portland State. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. And so, I think that it's such a unique and special year because of that. Because the Huskies can contend for this great thing like the college football playoff. But there's this layer to it of the history being the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it. Um, even Husky fans, in some respect, except for the Apple Cup, are rooting for the Cougs because. Maybe not necessarily in games, but maybe a little bit because they're like, "Oh, this this kind of stinks. Like this isn't what we wanted." It's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah it is unfortunate. That was, you know, it, there's this bitter rivalry, but it's also like a realization, like, "Well, this isn't very fun." No, you know, and no. like, and those January basketball games against Rutgers in New Jersey or Maryland in College uh, Park, that's just that's not. It's well, just gonna be odd. It's not what you think about when you think about. You dub. You think about those games with Oregon. Well, you're gonna still play Oregon, but you know what I'm saying. You think about the Apple Cup. Yeah. You think about going out of the Bay Area. The desert's always been a really tough place for them to play in football and things like that. You know. We're not thinking about games against Penn State. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, we're not I thinking mean, about games against Michigan. Marquee really. matchups, to be sure. Yeah, sure, but not. Uh, it's it, just. It's a shame, and it's the. You know what? It's the. It's the. It's those college TV rights holders that are that are doing this. Yeah. The first move was to try and expand the ACC and kind of destabilize the Big 12, and that was Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And then so Fox had to counter the ESPN move, and so what do they do? They take the next two available best brands and get into the L.A. market with USC, UCLA. And then from there, I still think the Pac-12 could have survived. The notion that the domino that set all this off was Colorado yeah, it's kind of insane to me. Colorado's got a lot of juice behind them because of Deion Sanders, and it's crazy for me to think you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, but they they were only in the Pac-12 12 years. Yeah, it's very fresh. And They're moving it, back to the Big 12. I just think it all. Yeah, and yeah. I ultimately okay, really quick, the Big 12 comparing doing the Michael Jordan announcement. They're back with Colorado. Hard pass. I'm sorry. Hard pass. Like, can you be better than like sub five? Okay, Dion's great. They're doing well. Obviously, good against CCU. One game I, though. I wouldn't compare them to MJ. No, no. <laughs> right. Um, and it's just sad that that one domino got all these presidents nervous and eventually the TV deal, um, you know, suffered because of it. And, um, it it was really telling to me that like you heard the AC, excuse me, ACC, Arizona state president saying he wanted to stay in the PAC 12 until the very last second until it became, he was trying so hard to keep that league together. And I'm like, good for you, man. Like that's the way it should be. Not, I mean, Listen, ultimately good moves for the Huskies and Ducks. They had, you know. Do you, I mean, but do you kind of like, you, you laid out the great, a great timeline here, but as 
someone who has not lived here for a long time, I still blame UCLA and UC- USC mm-hmm. for jumping ship the way that they did. Yeah. I mean, as quickly. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with you because their move to the Big Ten makes a lot less sense than Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Yeah. Like, I mean, even geographically. I mean, well, just, yeah, that's well specifically I mean. geographically. Yeah. yeah. I just. Ugh. It just I I just the the first year that we get the UC the USC Ohio State football game yeah it's gonna be like the year that everyone realizes that this may not work <laughs> or may not be ideal. We talked about it with Jake Dickert a minute ago. He had a great point. He was like, "We're gonna look down the road five, ten, fifteen years from now. And be like, what are we doing? Yeah, and you've heard some people say that like maybe football just break off into its own thing, and then you can go back to regional leagues for the Olympic sports, including basketball and you yeah. know, lacrosses and things like that." volleyball, soccer, what have you. Um, to me, that would make sense because it's those Olympic sports that are getting on the charter plane – or not getting on the charter planes. They're getting on commercial flights like if me and you want to go on a vacation. And that, to do that across the country – Several like, times a week. That's just crazy. I mean, I, I just – I think about like these volleyball players or these basketball players or, you know, I mean, even like baseball or, or, or you know, sports that play multiple times a week. Yeah. These are student athletes. In addition to that, they got grades to make. You know, they got you know they got to eat. They got to do. They got to live their life. You know, and they're all spending half the. I mean, and could you make the argument that college athletes are closer to professional athletes now than ever? One hundred percent. But they're not. <laughs> right. That's the biggest difference. So I just feel bad for all these kids. Honestly, I feel it's either like you feel really good for a lot of these kids who are getting a lot more recognition in some spot in other parts of the country because of this. But for some of these other kids, I'm just like, come on, guys. I feel bad. No, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I just think the whole thing's sad. Yeah. The whole thing is just sad. And um, just I think the kids that are growing up right now are going to be like, wait a minute. That made so much sense to just play all the West Coast schools and all the uh, East Coast schools. It's a novel idea, man. Right? You know (laughs) what I'm saying? It's a very novel idea. And, uh, yeah, it's just – it's sad. But you know what? It makes – it gives – to borrow yours and Dion's term, like juice yeah. to this season, because it is going to make it. Everything means that much more when you've got the last Pac-12 championship, as we know it. Wouldn't it be crazy if Wazoo? I wouldn't get to a Pac-12 championship game. Let's just say gets there. Sure. I mean, it's not unrealistic. Unreal- Messes around, find out. I mean, hey, and then just kind of take the trophy and run. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, yeah. that'd be crazy. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's very possible. You know, they've got a great team. And I, 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 am I rooting for the Cougars, I guess, in the Apple Cup this year? Please don't come for me, <laughs> Huskies fans. I but. try very hard to stay neutral in that um, because I do like the kids at UW and all that. And I yeah. love covering that team. We and, work with a lot of Cougs here. And there's a lot of history. but And we also work with a lot of Cougs here that remind yeah. you that um, they are Cougs every chance they get. That, and that's fine. Yeah, that announcement day, I just think about in the newsroom and just, you know, just – anchors and you know photogs and just like just the feeling of just dejection well that's what it is it's just hardcore dejection just all it was a sad day i'll never forget that day no i won't either and i think that it really does sum up why we're saying is this the prime time of seattle sports it might be um you might not always think of september as i might want to go to october with the baseball but you're talking about all these things colliding at the same time. Mm-hmm. All the stuff we talked about, soccer playoffs, um, Mariners playoff push. You've got – This is the appetizer. And, and, yeah, and then you've got this crazy football season kicking off with so much on the line. The Seahawks maybe trying to be the team that comes out of the NFC for a Super Bowl. Maybe Washington trying to be the team that wins a national championship. The Cougs maybe being that surprise team that wins the Pac-12. I mean, 
Anything, if you don't yeah. like this, you don't have a pulse. No, you don't have a pulse. So go ahead and get your appetizers now ready. Get your get your get your life together now. Get your Southwest egg rolls prepared. Okay, get is that your, what you're going with? A good Southwest egg roll is a good appetizer. Okay. You know, get some chicken wings, get some celery. Yeah, but next month and even going forward, I mean, you're eating nothing but cheeseburgers until <laughs> until February. Honestly, <laughs> truthfully, okay, and it's, and it's gonna be completely fun. I'm excited for every little bit. Regular or boneless wings. Boneless wings are chicken nuggets, and I like chicken nuggets. Okay, let's do it. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we've made our call. Now yeah. I'm hungry. So let's let's uh, end this and go get some food. What let's, do you say? Let's, let's go eat. Let's go Naji, eat. Najee, I am so pumped to get this going every week with you again, my man. Hey, we'll be here every week talking about the Mariners, talking about the Cougs, talking about the Huskies, the Kraken, the Storm, the Rain, um, the Sounders. And the Sonics. And the Sonics. Whenever they come back, we miss y'all. Um, so please make sure you stay tuned. We love y'all. And yeah, we we appreciate that, and we will see you next time. Hey, you know, stay with us. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Nash, my man, thank you. Thank you.